Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue our seventh class in Megillus Esther based on the commentary of the Ramah, which is called the Mechir Yayin. We almost finished the third chapter yesterday. We're on Perak Gimel Pasuk Tesvav. And as we're discussing how Haman is convincing Achashverosh to uh, have um, destroy the Jews, the Ramah has been learning the allegory that it is the Eight Sahara that is convincing the uh, the uh, tzura, but the regular tzura, not the advanced tzura, to give in to all the passions of uh, mankind. And one of the reasons is because there's no real hashkacha pratis. And the king agrees to do this and says that it should be done. So we're on the last pasuk here. Pasuk tesvav harotzim yatsu dechufim bidvara melech. The couriers went forth in haste by the king's orders. Vados nitna b'shushan abira, and the edict was given in Shushan, the capital. Vamelech v'haman yoshvu lishtos, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. Vayir Shushan nevoch, and the city of Shushan was confused. And therefore, what's happening once the decision was made by Achashverosh, which is the tsura, that's not the fully advanced tsura, and therefore, it's very easy for a person to be. Um, seduced to evil, and it's very evil. It's very easy for the law to be in Shushan, which would refer to either the entire individual, which is what the way the Ramah is learning, or perhaps the entire world. And it says that the king and Haman sat down to drink and have a feast, right? To, to be feasting and indulging um, again as it was before at the first party. So, therefore, it means either that the whole city was now confused, confused with sin, and it either means that uh, that everybody, every individual um, is uh, destroys their way, or it could be the entire world de- destroys their way, and when it's every individual destroys their way, then the entire world destroys their way, and then the world goes back to uh, nothingness, and therefore, we need Mordechai to step in to intervene to this negative effect. And therefore, we'll see and to show that all the words of Haman are lies and they're vanities and we're all making mistakes. But that's how the third chapter ends. Where even though we have an Esther, remember, you have a better Homer. And you have a Mordechai, which is a more advanced seichel, but the greater a person is, the greater the Yetzara comes. And the Yetzara tries to affect the lower level seichel of the person, the lower level tzur of the person, to do these sins. And the person does do the sins that are happening. And this will bode very evil for the person himself. So now we begin the fourth chapter. And the fourth chapter begins in telling us how the noble soul has to intervene and to teach the person the ways of tshuva in how to escape the seductions of the Yetzirahara. And that's what the next Pasuk tells us, the beginning of chapter 4. Umordechai, yoda es kol asher nasa. And Mordechai knew all that had transpired. In other words, he understands and he sees the person is involved in sin. And Mordechai rips up his clothes and puts on sackcloth and ashes 
And he went out to the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. So what is Mordechai? Once he senses, he sees that the goof, the Homer is sinning because of a compromised seichel that is persuaded by the Yetzirah. So then it begins to uh, start the ways of tshuva that a person has to do and to daven before Hashem that he should protect a person from all of the claims that Haman, the Yetzirah, makes to not to be pulled after that. As the Gemara says, Habol etayr, one who comes to purify himself, Messiah they assist him. And therefore, Mordechai is advising the person to go in the ways of tshuva uh, on, from these evil thoughts. And therefore, he tells the human being to rip his garments, to wear sackcloth and ash, which are the ways of tshuva. And that's what Rabbi Loi tells us in the Gemara. Someone who sees that his Yetzirah is overcoming him, what should he do? He should run away to another place and wear dark clothes to remind him that, you know, he's doing the wrong things. As it's said by the people of Nineveh, when uh, Yonah went to Nineveh, it, they called for a fast and they wore sackcloth. And that's what um, Mordechai is uh, telling the person to do, to wear sackcloth with ash. And uh, certainly, as it was in the story of the Megillah, it's ways of tshuva, and that's what it is for each and every person once they see that they are listening to the Yetzirah. And that's what it means. He screamed out a very bitter scream, a cry for the sins that were done by the person. The next Pasuk, and he came up as far as the king's gate. For one may not enter the king's gate dressed in sackcloth. So now we're talking about the prayer that's going on, the supplication that is uttered, and that prayer goes before the Shar HaShomayim, before the gates of heaven, which is alluded to here in the gates of the king. And you cannot go to the gates of the king dressed in sackcloth. What does that mean? When a person wants to pray and his prayers, he wants them to ascend Mamash to heaven, that only happens if you're doing tshuva amiti, true tshuva. But if you're just doing the outward manifestations, wearing sackcloth and fasting, so you're not allowed to come to the Shar HaMelech. You can't come to the to the gate of the king without doing true tshuva. As it says, the 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 Talmud says, better kiru the Navi, kiru levavchem. Rip up your heart, but don't rip up your garments. And that's the whole point. It's just wearing sackcloth and fasting does not necessarily uh, be, be an indicator that you've done complete tshuva. So therefore, Mordechai, who wants to speak to Hashem, and uh, therefore, he, he is, you, you can't go just in the sackcloth. The sackcloth alone does not mean anything. It's got to be sincere tshuva. Okay? And therefore, Mordechai is affecting everybody um, as far as the reach of Haman can reach. As we see in the next Pasuk, it says, And in every province, wherever the king's orders and his edict reached, which was to do sins, there was great mourning for the Jews, and fasting and weeping and lamenting sackcloth and ashes were put on the most prominent. 
meaning to say every part of the human being must do tshuva and must uh, mourn over the sins that one has done. So when you're thinking about doing tshuva to Hashem, it's got to be every part of your body has to feel like it's doing tshuva, not just external things. If you just are going with the sackcloth, you can't come for prayer yet. And if you want your prayer to be affected, it can't be merely with sackcloth. Fine. And therefore, uh, uh, that's and therefore, every place where the Yetzirah of Haman is trying to um, uh, subvert us, right away you have to confront that with tshuva and not to follow it, and and by external behaviors and prayer. And now we have to also go after one of the causes. Remember, we said yesterday that the Yetzirah says, "Well, listen, why should you keep Torah and mitzvahs anyway?" You see, there's no rhyme or reason. Sadik Faralo, Hashem really doesn't have Ashkacha. So Pasuk Dalit will, the words of the Megillah will be understood allegorically by the Ramah is to a way to deflate these two points that the Satan makes for us. When the Pasuk says in Pasuk Dalit, and Esther's maidens and her chamberlains came and told her, and the king queen was extremely terrified. So what is that telling us? So Haman, or the Satan, made two claims. One is that there's no hashkacha, there's no supervision in the world, because you see that the tzaddik suffers. So what um, Mordechai, the intelligence seich, was going to say, there's no proof from that at all. And he's going to use the words in the Megillah that say, Vatavona Nairos Esther. And the maidens of Esther came and told her the words of Mordechai. We'll see, it will explain that that is to um, push away the first uh, claim. And the second claim that he says, listen, you can see there's no Ashkacha because the Jews are spread around in the Gullahs, even though they're the best people in the world. So that gets taken away with the words, and the queen was extremely terrified, as he will now explain. And the Ramah explains beautifully that he says, for the first claim, that there's Tzadik Veralo, that a Tzadik who is evil, it's bad for him. The Gemara explains, what does that mean? It means a Tzadik ben Russia. If the person's a Tzadik, but his father's a Russia, that could be an explanation for Tzadik Veralo. And that can be understood on two levels. First of all, on the Kabbalistic, mystic level, we can be talking about the idea of Gilgul that is happening, the, the transmigrated soul of a tzaddik ben Russia, meaning to say there was a person who was a Russia in his life, and now when we say tzaddik ben Russia, we don't mean the tzaddik, the son of a Russia biologically, but we mean the tzaddik, the son of a Russia um, uh, mystically, that a person was a Russia, he dies, and Hashem's not happy with him, and to bring correction for the Russia's soul, he comes back into the world in the body of a tzaddik. And now, by the tzaddik suffering, the Russia now, that same Gilgal Neshama, gets atonement from the sins that it suffers. Or, says Zerom, it can even go simpler than this, and this will really show you the greatness of Hashem's kindness. And he explains that reality that Hashem brings into the world, by definition, is good. And a lack of reality, as we shall see, is evil. 
Now, I, the Gemara says, it's better that man should not have been created than created. But that's with regular people, because we don't know if they're going to be a tzaddik or a rasha. And you can't tell what's going to happen. But if the guy is really going to be a tzaddik, then that's the best thing that can happen. So now he explains like this. Let's say a person is a rasha. So if a person's a real rasha, he's high of either kares, to be spiritually cut off, or he should die immediately. However, what if in the divine plan from this Russia, had he not sinned and had he continued to live, he would foster, he would have children and from him would come out a tzaddik. But if Hashem would punish the fellow right away, then this tzaddik would never be born and there'd be no reality of that tzaddik. And, but on the other hand, Hashem can't say, well, okay, so for the tzaddik, I'll let the Russia live. But Hashem can't do that because he can't be mavatir. He can't forego the uh, punishment that should be for the Russia. Because anyone says that Hashem forgoes sins, that's not a, a good re- understanding of reality. <coughs> so therefore, Hashem must bring a punishment, but he also wants the good people that are meant to be born should be born. Therefore, Hashem decides to split up the punishments from the fathers to the children. And this becomes a great chesed of Hashem to not destroy the tzaddik from the world. So in other words, what's happening is the Russia, you're a Russia. The law should be the Russia should die. But if Hashem kills the Russia, there will not come out a tzaddik who is destined to have come from that Russia. So what is Hashem? And that was Hashem's plan for whatever reasons. And that plan must happen. So-and-so Russia gave birth to so-and-so tzaddik. So now what's going to happen? So Hashem will allow the Russia to live, to be able to have children. So this tzaddik will come into the world. But now the punishment that should have happened to the Russia now happens to this tzaddik who atones through his suffering for his father. And yet the tzaddik is still in the world. So therefore, although you see a tzaddik who's suffering, it could very well be the previous generation had a wicked person. And Hashem could not punish or kill the wicked person as he should have done because then the tzaddik would never come into the world. So it's the best thing for that tzaddik to come into the world, but at the cost of bringing tikkun for the ancestor that sinned. And that becomes the answer to the uh, to the question of why the, the righteous suffer. And this is really Mordechai himself reveals this. How do we see this? Because we know there was a terrible person named Shidi ben Gera. And when, when Avshalom revolted against David, and David had to flee the kingdom, Shimi ben Gera curses out David. Terrible curses. And the, um, the people who were with David, his guards said, let us kill Shimi. And David said, no, let it go. It's God's will. So what happens? This Shimi lives. However, he didn't get punished as he should have gotten punished. But why was it in the cards that he should live? Because Mordechai is a descendant from him. And that's what the idea. So Mordechai understands this idea more than anyone else because he owes his life to the fact that his ancestor was not killed. So that enabled Mordechai to live. And this is all hinted at in the words that Esther's maidens and her chamberlains came and told her. What does that mean? When it talks about the uh, 
the maidens, and they told her, as we said, there's an idea that a father and a mother and family are all, you know, connected with each other, and that's a connection to Chomer, because we know the father and the mother provide the Chomer, and Hashem provides the Tzura, as the three partners are there. And therefore, when Mordechai is explaining to the Seichel, and is saying that Tzadik Veralo is a chesed of Hashem, that Hashem does not punish the Russia so that the Tzadik will be born. So therefore, it's saying so that the Na'aros Esther, Fisari Seha, the maidens of Esther and their chamberlains, which is a marshal for the Tzadikim who come from a Russia. And therefore, they call the Na'aros Esther, which is the Chomer. And therefore, they're called like the sons and daughters that come from the Chomer. And these are the Naros, the maidens of Esther and the chamberlains. And they would, t- they would tell them about the punishments that come to the Russia had there not been, there would not be this tzaddik. Okay? And that's the concept over here. So they, so they came and told her about this. And this whole idea of them coming is symbolically saying that there is a concept of the tzaddik who does suffer as we are coming to you. And the second idea of and they told her that and the queen was extremely terrified. We already explained what the word magid means and we said it's a concept of hamshach um, um, drawing forth the concept further. So therefore, for the second um, claim, there's no ashkacha pratis because we're in Golis. So to that, they're saying the reason is so that malka, so that the malka will be terrified, meaning the chomer will be terrified. If you want to subjugate chomer, uh, the best way to subjugate is give it to yoke of servitude and to take away the stubbornness that comes by people wanting to love and enjoy the gullus. Okay? And that is the reason why Hashem gives us gullus. So it's not that Hashem forgot about us, but he wants, as it is, more Esther, the Chomer, to be terrified, to be humbled, and to and to not act in an arrogant way. So now he has dealt with these two um, criticisms of Hashem, who has not shown any hashkacha. He's saying there's plenty of hashkacha. As you see that the maidens and the chamberlains come, and these are the good ones, and they're good, and it's good chomer, and good people is all coming from what? From the fact that Hashem allowed them to live. In spite of the fact there were Rishoyim who came before, that was a kindness. And the reason that Esther's scared is to know that's what the goal is for, is to put fear in you. And therefore, as we end Pasuk Dalit, it says, then says, V'atishlach begodim, Esther sends clothes, l'halbishas Mordechai, to dress Mordechai, u'lahasir sako me'alav, and to remove the sackcloth that's on him, v'lo kibal, he does not take it. What does that mean? We shall see this means that the Chomer wants to restrain the arousal of the Seichel, as we'll see how. And we'll see how the Seichel refuses. What does it mean to say? Because we know, so what is Mordechai really saying? You should be dressed in sackcloth. You should cause 
yourself some uh, suffering. Well, it's very hard for the Chomer to separate from the pleasures. Remember we said a couple days ago that as much as the Tzura wants to bridle the Chomer, it still needs the necessities. So therefore, Esther, in the parable of sending nice clothes to remove the sackcloth from Mordechai, it says, you know what? Don't cause yourself to suffer too much. The body needs to have a certain degree of pleasure. And you're overdoing this. This chuba that you're doing, putting on sackcloth and really uh, uh, taking pleasures away from yourself, that's too much. You yourself told me that I have to not tell everything, Tachashverish. I can't give away all my pleasures. So don't you think it's being a little drastic? To that, Mordechai does not accept those words. Because we know a good seichel can see the future. And the good seichel says, you know, if we don't go and and, and take uh, away these physical pleasures and we ease up a little bit, the tuma of the Yetzirah will reawaken. And therefore, when you get a little rest, he'll start saying his criticisms again to take us away from the good path. And therefore, if you want to destroy the evil totally, and I don't want to go away from the sackcloth. I don't want to go away from the tshuva until Hashem has delivered the Yetzirah into their hands. And therefore, there's this tension that's going on between the elevated seichel to say we've got to really do tshuva. We've got to really self-inflict ourselves to stay away from all the pleasures. And the Homer, as, as good as it is, says, but don't we, aren't we supposed to have a little bit of pleasure? And he says, not, not. He also, the Ramah, references a famous Medrash that the Archei Knesset Sagadola were able, during this period of time, historically, to have the Yetzirah given over into their hands and to totally destroy the Yetzirah for Avodah Zorah. So this was the game plan. We've got to totally remove the Yetzar of Avodazar, and that came on the footsteps of the conclusion of this story. Okay? So now, we've got a little bit of tension between the Tzura and the Chomer. The Tzura and the elevated Seichel that it has, through Mordechai says, let's get away from pleasures. Totally do tshuva. The Chomer, as good as this, but we have to have a little bit. And therefore, the Pasuk goes on, Esther and Esther calls Hasach. Remember, we mentioned him already. who's from the chamberlains of the king, Asher who he had appointed before her. and she commanded Hasach concerning Mordechai, to know to know what this was and why this was. So we've said there's many opinions of who Hasach was. There's one opinion the Medrash says it was Daniel. And he's called Hasach from the word, it sounds like Chatoch, to cut. That since he was an advisor to the king, um, really in real history, Daniel was advised to the king. So from his words and his advice, were uh, ideas were cut into motion, meaning decisions were made. So now what we're talking about is the power within the human being to be a shofate, to be a judge. And you understand, Daniel comes from the word din of judgment. And through a good, wise judgment, decisions can be made between the words of the Yetzirah and the Yetzir Tov. 
In other words, when a person is presented the argument of the Yetzirah, and he's presented the argument of the Yetzirah, so you have to present, so you've got Mordechai, who's representing the elevated Seichel, you got the Homer that represents the physicality and it's wanting to do good. Now you could have a debate between them. And therefore you need to have uh, a part of the psyche of a person to make judgment calls. And to make judgment calls, so once the psyche, that ability to judge takes one side, whether it's the side of the eights or tov, then it's two against one, or bad judgment can take the side of the eight Sahara, it's two against one. So therefore, Esther, which represents the Homer, which represents the matter, she calls to the power of judgment to judge between them and to command regarding Mordechai to understand, should we do like Mordechai and not? Because on the one hand, Mordechai said, don't tell Achashverosh who you are, and therefore don't totally follow the Seichel and not have any pleasures, and you got to take what you have to take. But now he's saying, I want you to fast and, and suffer, which is not allowing any pleasures at all. So now she wants to know, listen, judge, what's going on? Do we go with the original plan of Mordechai to have some pleasure? Or what he's telling us now, to not have any pleasure. So now, the the part of the mind, the part of the human that can judge, next pasuk, pasuk vav, vayetzeh hasoch el Mordechai, so hasoch goes out to Mordechai, el rechova ir to the city square, asher lifnei sharamach, which is before the gate of the king. In other words, what's he do? He's going to judge the situation. And he's going to the city square, which is before the king, meaning to reflect on the things that the Jews are doing in the streets. Or similarly, we know when, when the Talmud says that when a decree is, uh, 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 the, the rabbis decree a fast, part of the behavior during that day is the shul takes the ark into the street to show their suffering. And they're going into a type of gallus and they pray towards Hashem, which is the Shar HaMelech. Okay, and therefore he's 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 telling us uh, that he's going out to check out. Okay, let's see what's happening over here. Let's see what what the person is doing, what he's capable of doing. They're 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 causing suffering to themselves. Is this a way to do things? This is not a way to do things. And so he goes and checks out with Mordechai. Now, so now the judge is thinking about the issue. Pasuk Zion. So Mordechai tells us, it's called all that has befallen him. And the full amount of silver, that Haman promised to weigh out to the king's treasuries on account of the Jews to cause them to perish. And Mordechai also told him about the copy of the decree that was given in Shushan. He also gave him that. And to show it to Esther and to tell her and to order her to come before the king to beseech him and to beg him for her people. So what is the deeper meaning over here? So again, the Rambam in Maranevuchim tells us that spiritual healing is like physical healing. And we know that if a person is physically sick and he has a very big fever, so what does the doctor have to do? You got to go to the other extreme and bring down the fever with the coldest foods 
or the coldest compresses way more to go to the other extreme and then to, it'll eventually come back to somewhere into a normal way. So when you're extremely one way not well, we get you to the other extreme and then it will balance out. So it is with spiritual sickness. If a person has fallen into a very bad meter, he has to go to the other extreme until it eventually bounces back to the middle. And this is what Mordechai is telling Hasach. He is saying, yes, the truth is, I told her originally not to tell Achishverosh, which I meant to say is don't, uh, don't totally take away your physical pleasures and to have a certain degree of physical pleasures. But now that Haman has gained access to get the Jews to sin, as is what is explained about all the money and the silver and all the things, and the Jews are now, the person is doing sinful behavior, and now that we've gone to the bad extreme of being overly involved in the physical world, now we got to balance it out by going to the other extreme totally to totally deny pleasure for the body. Even what it needs, it should uh, self-flagellate, so to speak, and fast until what will happen, until you've moved Haman away so far that now you can go back to the middle ground. And then he says, and then you go to the king and you supplicate and you plead before him that he says, yes, he's saying that um, you, you, you have to pray and fast before Hashem and therefore things will be atoned for for the behaviors following that of a Haman type of person. So you see a very interesting idea over here that the Ramah is telling us, and this is about tshuva. When you see that you're doing bad things and you understand you're doing bad things, and you know if you keep doing bad things, it's going to be a bad result. It's going to happen. It's going to be destruction of the human being, destruction of society. So you want to do tshuva. So tshuva is not enough just to pray to Hashem and not just enough to convince, to stop your actions, but you now have to move away from the source of all this, and that is our giving in to the Chomer of ourselves. And even though we've given initial instructions that you have to respect the Chomer and give what it needs, but when the person makes miscalculations and gets overindulgent in the Chomer, now for a certain period of time you have to go to the other extreme, go cold turkey and all these Chomers, and you got to really completely fast, stay away from this. Why? Because the more you stay away from the physical pleasures, the less attractive Haman becomes. And once someone becomes less attractive and he kind of leaves and in the same time you're praying to Hashem for help because you know you need siyata deshmaya, you need divine intervention from Hashem and, and that is, it's, it's, it's miraculous that happens but you've got to be worthy of that so you have to be very far away from enjoying the physical world and then only once Haman is gone can we go back to that. So therefore, that is what the decision has to be made. And therefore, we see in Pasuk Tess, indeed, that's so. Vayavo Hasach, Hasach now returns. Vayagedla Esther Estivri Mordechai. And she tells Esther the words of Mordechai, meaning to say that he sees the words of Mordechai, the Yetzir Tov's claims are correct. He tells it to Esther and you have to listen to Mordechai. And therefore, what do you have to do? refrain totally from physical pleasures and then go to Hashem and pray to Hashem and complete your acts of tshuva and hopefully Hashem will help us 
in this way. Then in Pasuk Yud, which we'll see tomorrow, the Homer is not finished. And Esther still says, you know what, I don't know if this is necessarily the best idea. And tomorrow we'll begin Pasuk Yud and hear her rejoinder. And then we'll hear Mordechai's response back and to what the final decision is. Okay, have a great day. Shkayach, everybody.